Another episode of the Silver Bullet Saga. I'm your host, Ryan von der Hart. We went on this week for a long time. This weekend seems to always find us this time of year. Halloween right around the corner. Spooky season right here. The Buckeyes get out of West Lafayette with a win. No spookiness there to hunt Ryan Day and his squad. Uh, the Buckeyes get it done, but we turn the page on to probably what's tied for the biggest game left for the Buckeyes regular season aside from that monster waiting for him at the end. Uh, this week, the Buckeyes turned their eyes to Penn State and those Nittany Lions. Uh, this week, we, or this this year, we get to host them at home. And uh, a little bit of context with the shifting landscape of college football, the changes we've seen this last year. Um, you know, for Buckeye fans in my generation, there's there's only... There's nearly only amazing memories when it comes to the Penn State game. There's one flying the ointment over the last decade, but really some of the most exciting wins and some of the most exciting seasons uh, across a little more than the last decade have come against Penn State. Um, it's been a game that Buckeye fans have circled on their calendar uh, year to year. It's it's typically a primetime game at home, and when we play them there in Happy Valley, it's when they like to break out the wideout game, at least it was until we destroyed the wideout record for Penn State at home. Um, you know, it, it's an awesome game. It's one that we look forward to every year. There's anxiety that obviously comes with it anytime you're playing one of these uh, big rivals. But rivals isn't really the right word for this week because the divisions are going away here soon. Um, the conference, you know, we're bringing in a few new members and, and everybody gets to choose who they want to continue to play every single year. Ohio State wants to keep the game going with Penn State. What does James Franklin and the leadership in Happy Valley say? No mas. No more do we want to guarantee that we play Ohio State every year. Give us somebody else. So for this year, we get a little extra context. For the last regular year of the Penn State game, regularly scheduled, uh, we get to host the Nittany Lions at noon on Saturday. Joining me this week, number one, I'll bring in my guy, normal co-host Adam Vonderhaar. Adam, how we doing? Ryan, I'm doing good. As you can see, I now go by the artist formerly known as Adam Harrison Jr. Mm. Uh, after my mm. namesake, Marvin, and uh, the mm. heck of a season he's having so far. A couple drops this past Saturday, but hey, we look past that in a 41-7 victory uh, in West Lafayette, but uh, happy to be here. The man with the mowers. Our guy, slinging them. The Z-Glides and all. Uh, Abram Zehenbauer joining us. We got a couple specialists coming in to help us break down Penn State. Abram, how we doing? Doing great. Uh, excited about this week. Very nervous about this week. Um, kind of just want this week to be done with and uh, just like press the fast forward button and skip and say, oh, look, a W. Great. Move <laughs> on. Like that's, that's the feeling for this week. Absolutely. Just get it in, get the win done, you know, move on. I think a lot of Buckeye fans feel the same way. Bringing on the last guest for today's episode to complete the Buckeye Roundtable. We got Roland tonight, uh, the guy on the hill who said she wouldn't. Stan Skokie, uh, Stan joining us. Stan, what's going on? How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. Uh, like Abe said, very anxious week coming up, but we have some good memories of Penn State games as a group that we'll get to later. So hopefully we add another one to the list. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, not to belabor the point too much because I got to, you know, we referenced it at the beginning. Adam and I both felt confident last week when we previewed the Purdue game, uh, you know, a place that has 
held some horrors for the likes of Urban Meyer, for the likes of Jim Trestle, you know, over the years, some crazy wins, some crazy upsets for Purdue. Didn't happen this year. The first test, uh, Ryan Day heading up to that haunted area. He gets it done and and, and destroys them. Uh, you know, Ohio State, you know, really kind of looks the part. I think it's one of those games similar to Western Kentucky before Notre Dame. Uh, they did what you wanted them to do the week before a big game, you know, kind of in a look ahead spot. Uh, I think the offense looks strong, a ton to talk about. I mean, we don't even have a bullet point about this, but Hey folks, remember Tate Martell a handful of years ago and the red zone package that we were going to break out with Dwayne Harrison. Uh, it seems like, or Dwayne Haskins, excuse me. It seems like it's, it's found its reality with potentially Devin Brown <laughs> running the ball in the red zone uh, and kind of giving a different look for the running game. But, you know, we don't need to belabor the point. Maybe just one thing we liked uh, from last Saturday against Purdue. I'll go first. I mean, what else is there to say? Our guy, Kate Stover, All-American, the farmer, Farmer Gronk, as they like to say it. Two more touchdowns, adding them to the list on pace for what's going to be one of the greatest tight end receiving seasons in Ohio State history if he just keeps up similar numbers to where he's at right now. Terrible news. You just hate to see it absolutely out of Georgia this last week. Brock Bowers going down with some surgery, definitely the number one tight end in the country. But with Bowers, you know, not getting any more production for the end of the season, folks, there's a chance Cade Stover finishes this season as the number one receiving tight end in college football, which is a crazy thing to say if you even turn the clocks back just a few years with this Ohio State offense. So just a little round table. Just give us one takeaway from the Buckeyes' dominant win in West Lafayette. Adam, we'll turn it over to you. Well, I like that our red zone features uh, Mr. Brown. But uh, aside from that, you got to like the fact that he's now averaging, I think, 58 yards per completion on the season uh, with his uh, connection. I think that was with Carnell Tate. If Brandon, that's, Ennis. Or, Brandon Ennis Brandon and his Ennis. touchdown yeah. debut, true freshman. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Just loved everything out of the quarterback room other than, of course, the the one lone fumble Kyle McCord seems to tend to give up each game. He found a way to do it in garbage time, but I still we got to we got to get our quarterbacks just keeping that presence in the in the pocket and not not turning the ball over if they can avoid it. Absolutely. D Brown fumbling going into the end zone too. both of the QBs with a fumble on Saturday. So uh, I, I don't want to double dip and have two highlights, but maybe one of the last two guys will talk about it. Ryan Day on Saturday. Stanley, I'll turn it over to you. Just something you liked from the game. I was really impressed with how our uh, defensive line started getting a little pressure earlier in the game. Uh, for whatever reason, our defense doesn't wake up until around the second quarter. So it was kind of nice seeing them wake up a little earlier. Uh, D-line getting pressure. Uh, last year, this was JTT's coming out game. So. Something to look forward to. I think a little shout out, Stan, and couldn't agree with you more, but a shout out to Jack Sawyer hasn't been in the sack, uh, you know, record book yet this season. A lot of a lot of hurries, a lot of pressures, but hasn't gotten a QB to the ground. Comes away from Saturday at Purdue with a sack and a half. So nice for him to put one on his total. There was a really cool play, a really cool sack where JT, Tui Malowau, and, and Sawyer kind of met at the QB and uh, both took their guys, you know, all the way back there and, and tied for a sack. So really nice to see. Abram, one thing from Saturday, hit us with it. Yeah, um, seems like the injury bug has hit our running game uh, again. One, you know, this season as compared to last year, um, especially with the same guys. Uh, so I was really excited to see that our depth has been taken care of in that side of things. It seemed like we had a great running game. Um, 
that probably has a lot to do with uh, Purdue's defense, but it was good to see that like they actually have an idea of what they want uh, out of the run game and to get different guys in there to eat up huge chunks of yards. That was uh, that was huge. Absolutely. And I, there was a lot of hot takes and podcasters out there kind of ripping Ryan Day because he came out before the game, you know, a few weeks ago and said, hey, we're going to try and hold off on Dallin. We want to wait to get him involved to try and preserve his red shirt year. To me, that's a head coach managing playing time in a running back room. Does he really believe, hey, we don't want to burn up Dallin Hayden's shirt? Does anybody believe that Dallin Hayden's going to be here four years from now? Right. Is there really any use, you know, to preserve a red shirt on a running back like that? I don't think so. I think that that was a little bit of just talking to the media. Hey, you know, we're using our healthy guys right now. We like that we have depth in the room. And the reason that you have that depth is for a game like this, where your number one and two guys are down chip, you know, look nice at the beginning of the game takes just a Mac of a hit. I mean, it wasn't a dirty shot or anything, but just gets kind of crushed, you know, with the ball and comes out with that concussion. But man, that that offense looked a little different with Dallin Hayden, and and it's hard to say that he's you know better than Travion Henderson, but his vision and the way that the line was kind of doing that gap blocking, where it was kind of you need a guy back there who's got the vision to see the hole, you know, not necessarily just kind of gas it as quick as you can. It seemed like Hayden might have found something, you know, in relation and that combined with Devin Brown, you know, the running game just totally different look for it on Saturday. Yeah, Adam, you got some nice stuff over there. I see you working with it. Um, so, you know, Purdue, definitely a great game on Saturday. You know, not a ton to complain about. You know, if anything, I think maybe sleep sleepwalking a little bit after halftime, but it's hard to, to not do that, I think, when you're ready to turn the page and look at a week like this against Penn State. And that was the goal. I think it's, hey, let's get this in a place where we can park it. It's time to turn the page and get our healthy guys off the field, let them rest up and uh, get ready for what's going to be one of the biggest games of the season. I'm amped for it. Adam and I are uh, heading down south to a wedding um, in Alabama for some cousins that at least say they're Alabama fans, but to have a wedding on the Alabama-Tennessee game day, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, But yeah, we'll be watching the uh, Penn State-Ohio State game from an establishment down there. Excited to do it. Uh, But folks, before we get into the game itself, I think there's a lot to break down there. Uh, We discussed it before the pod us four specifically have a lot of great memories, I think, from the Penn State game, a lot of different awesome games that we've been to over the years. Uh, U3 being at that away game back then in 2018 and getting to see some awesome stuff then. Uh, we discussed it beforehand. We're all going to kind of go around and share our favorite memory, our memory at least that, that sticks out from the Penn State game. I'll go ahead and go first and let you guys think a little bit about it. But my easiest one is the uh, the most memorable, I would say, in a game that has a lot of memorable moments for me. Uh, 2014. You know, a lot of people like to remember that season as like, man, Urban Meyer used to drill teams. You know, his his team used to dominate, you know, in these sorts of games. And it just wasn't the case, right? 2014 was a magical season. We drop a crazy game at home against Virginia Tech in a game where we looked like we didn't belong on the field against that Bear defense Virginia Tech was running. And, uh, you know, early on, JT Barrett-led offense. And, uh, you know, you pick yourself up after that loss and you start putting together a handful of wins and you find yourself, you know, finally we're poking up around like the 12th ranked mark. You know, we're we're working our way back in close to the top 10. And we got this crazy trip, right, out to uh, face the Nittany Lions. Um, 
you know, kind of a back and forth game and Penn State ties it right right at the end of the game in the fourth quarter to send the thing into overtime. And, uh, you know, the Buckeyes get a score. Penn State's going down and on all the momentum's kind of with them, uh, you know, for the game. I think a touchdown wins it. I want to say that maybe we had a field goal uh, in overtime. And what happens on fourth down? Joey Bosa takes the running back and sacks him right right into the quarterback for a walk-off sack. Maybe one of the most prolific games in a guy's uh, history there with the Buckeyes. And I think, I, Adam, you might want to chime in with me. I'm wrong on the score. Maybe we score. Oh, I forgot the rules for college. We scored a touchdown um, in overtime, and we were just, uh, you know, they were looking to answer there. But still, it's a walk-off sack. Joey Bosa takes the running back into the QB, and it's it's one of the most prolific moments, I think, for a defensive end in Ohio State history, you know, something like that. So, and then, you know, Joey's just loved, obviously. He goes on to help us win that national championship that year. Um, we'll go in, not in reverse order, but Stan, I'll start with you this time. And with a little popcorn here. Uh, talk to us about your favorite memory. Yeah, I want to add one little thing to what you said. I remember, yep. uh, if you remember the 2014 documentary after they won the national championship, Joshua Perry's talk about that play. And he says, the line opens up. And it's just Joey and a running back. And Joshua Perry goes, and that's a bad day. And then it shows the clip of him sacking <laughs> Hackenberg. Love that. Oh, but on to my memory, as you mentioned, uh, me, Abram, Adam, and our other farmhouse buddy, Jace, made the trip out for the 2018 game, the whiteout. Um, got to see Dwayne Haskins in action. That was a game that was very much Ohio State in the first few quarters and then Penn State pretty much the entire second, third, and half of the fourth quarter. And that's when, you know, Dwayne Haskins had that big comeback, those two long passes for touchdowns. And uh, I'd have to say my my favorite memory from that game is when we scored that the winning touchdown at the point. K.J. Hill walks in the end zone. I'm sitting with Abram. We are the only red jerseys for five sections. And we are the only ones jumping up and cheering. And we are looking around the stadium and it's just dead quiet. And that is that is the most fond memory I have of probably this entire Penn State non-rivalry. That that KJ Hill play, I mean, I, I can just picture it in my mind. The guys he's he could have gotten tackled out of bounds. His receiver blocks the guy that, you know, maybe has him there and he, he kind of does that like he, he leans himself back a little bit and kind of swag walks into the end zone. But Terry, just, I, I mean Terry Terry McLaurin makes the block that it was McLaurin, wasn't it? Scary tripping up three of the defensive backs. So I mean, you talk about Scary Terry. He's not just receiver; he's always a blocking back. So that game, <laughs> one one of the best games in the last twenty years, really. I mean, it was just unbelievable that you guys were there for it in person. Adam, I'm looking at the box him. score, Terry didn't have a single reception in that game. It's if crazy. it was Terry, that that is, I mean. Seasons before he did, and that game, nothing but some key blocks. And Benjamin Victor, just very, very cool plays in the end of that game that Jace and I were separate, a couple sections over, just terrified for our lives with how toxic the uh, the whiteout environment was. Of course, you know, put put it on its head, and it's like, well, should we have worn all red outfits to a whiteout? Yeah, yeah, that's what happens when you you win. Uh, what is it, ten of the last eleven? But uh, just a just a pull from a different um, Penn State game. That 2017 game kind of to me was the capstone of JT Barrett's career at Ohio State. Um, loved it. Loved his it. His best probably, game as a Buckeye. 
his best game. Yeah, I mean, a I mean it, it gets slaughtered in, in our memories because of the following week's loss to Iowa, just like that emotional of a game and then the loss the following week. But, man, the big touchdown from that game, I remember Marcus Ball um, – just in the end zone, like, holy cow, <laughs> like the entire stadium's about to collapse because everybody's so hyped about it. I just absolutely love that game. And it it just seems like that's part of this non-rivalry is how close these things come down to it and Ohio State just pulling them out at the end. Uh, almost seems like you got to go pretty, pretty far back to see a, a game that wasn't close in the fourth quarter. It just seems like they love to hang around. But as uh, James Franklin said, uh, Ohio State's a standard, and uh, we didn't meet it. That's what he said at 18, and they're mm. still trying to meet it. So uh, we'll, we'll keep Adam, saying go Bucks. The, the hard hat, you know, from that game, you know, lives oh, in infamy. Oh, oh, yeah, my soldier's helmet that I spray-painted gray, that was a lucky helmet. So on third downs, everybody's beating my helmet for good luck. And uh, Strangers, gosh. people we've never met. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> people hey, hey, reaching reach three rows get down. The helmet, get the helmet, knock on the helmet, you know, because it was that – it was <laughs> – Unless unless you watched it live, you do not understand. We were dead and buried. What going? There's into very the few games round. where I I I had to hit the bathroom before the game started. I get to my seat and it's fourteen to zero, and I'm like, what happened? Yeah, Saquon, Saquon Barkley, Barkley runs two back. <laughs> two it was a wild returns. one for for yeah. two kickoff returns for touchdowns, and the Buckeyes still pull it out. I mean. Find me how many games in existence there are two kickoff returns for touchdowns and the other team wins the game. There's not that many, right? That's a, you know, an insane stat. Yeah. Yeah, but that's Adam. That's kind of yeah. no. That's I I I was kind of going on there, but just a lot of great memories in this uh, this very lopsided yeah, rivalry. Non rivalry. Adam, you're coming in and out a little bit. I'll let the let the internet uh, reset here. But Abram, we'll turn it to you. Your favorite memory for the Penn State game. Yeah, I mean, obviously those three games you guys mentioned are are clearly the standout, you know, standout in my mind. Uh, to just to keep it different, um, you guys talked about three games that, like in theory, all very close. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back to a time when uh, none of you were uh, were technically involved at Ohio State yet. Uh, 2013. It was my sophomore year. I just moved down to Columbus uh, from ATI, and uh, yeah, we. Uh, it was. Um, who, who was the coach back then? Bill O'Brien, uh, I think. Uh, you know, a lot of hype around him as a coach. He he kind of kept the program up. Uh, but that year, that game uh, was not the case because we beat them 63-14. to 14. Uh, and It was a lot of fun. Like that, that year, if you guys remember, we went on to lose to Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship. But a few highlights from that year. I mean, at that point, we were – Urban Meyer was still undefeated as Ohio State's coach. Um, but yeah, 63-14 against this Penn State team that I had watched over the previous decade, you know, through the mid-2000s, beat us multiple times and have the same, you know, close game attitude to where, uh, you know, came down to that fourth quarter. And then to just beat them in 2013 for, for you know, by that much was, was, just, was just a lot of fun that year. I remember being, you know, being that young college kid, like this is the epitome of college. Little did I know that the next year we'd go on to the national championship, all that stuff. But, you know, at that moment, it was, it was great. Yeah. It's, that's why I love Abe so much. You know, we have such, you know, similar, but also different perspectives on Buckeye football, right? Adam and I, freshmen in 2014, you know, we're thinking, Hey man, we got four years of this. This is unbelievable. The Urban Meyer era, but you know, so much work went into that. And just for you know, that season to come together and how special it was and the history that went into it, you know, it's aged like a fine wine, 
you know, you think back to 2014 and then you turn the clocks way back young for all of us, but man, 2002, you know, just, just a couple magical, you know, seasons for Buckeye football. And there's a reason that there are so many, you know, diehard Ohio state fans, uh, you know, kind of keeping the sport alive in this part of the country, as far as being competitive on a national level, you know, you, folks like Penn state fans, folks like Notre Dame fans, they don't want to hear that, but it, it's true. You know, somebody's got to be able to win the whole thing if we're serious about football up here. And, uh, you know, it's been fun keeping the keeping the rivalry alive. Uh, folks, thanks for sharing, you know, the the updates there and the, the, the memories. It really is nice, you know, going back down memory lane. And I'm very thankful to Ohio State. I'm very thankful to Urban Meyer, you know, for the seven, six and one record he put up against Penn State. Excuse me. Um, but just a, uh, you know, a really nice uh, little more than a decade here on a team that, you know, 20 years ago, you know, you ask Big Ten fans, they're like, uh, Penn State, Big Ten, right? But, but they're a, they're a, they're a central part of this conference. You know, they are a, you know, a big deal. They are competitive each year. They're a team that, you know, Ohio State measures themselves against, not a team they compare themselves to, right? But they are a, a measuring stick, right, for where they are in the season and what our long-term, you know, season goals are. So with that, folks, we turn the page to this Saturday at noon, uh, big noon kickoff, you know, the, the, the network that was built off of Ohio State, essentially, and us being willing to take these games um, in the noon time slot. None of us love noon games. I love a noon game for Indiana. I love a noon game for Youngstown State. There's nothing better. It's a great, you know, way to spend some time. Um we're not going to use any of the video from this episode. I love a, a 3.30 game for most other games. Uh, but for one of these, right, what we all wanted was prime time. And what we got was Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson. That's the, that's the saving grace. We get good announcers, you know, to call the game. But noon on Saturday, uh, that same fear creeps into your head like it always does. It does feel like the shoe has a little trouble with the home atmosphere at noon. Okay, I think that we are all aware of this. Um, the only time the shoe like goes nuts, goes crazy for a home atmosphere is those night games where you're really, you know, hyping the crowd up. Right, not the butt in, yeah. but to which I would argue, show me a college football stadium that crushes a noon game. It True. doesn't happen. Student True. sections, they don't fill up at noon. But it is what Absolutely. it is. Absolutely. I think I think that our students will be geared up this week because this is really it. You know, if you look at the home slate, um, this is your last big, big game, you know, especially with where Michigan State decided they wanted to send their season this year. Um, you know, this is this is kind of it, you know, for the rest of the season. So hopefully the students are geared up for it. Um, it's going to be an awesome atmosphere. Folks, let's turn the page to the team we got coming into the stadium on Saturday. ESPN gives Ohio State a 63.5% chance of winning the game. We know that that matchup indicator means absolutely nothing. Right. Um, Penn State comes into this game. They're five and zero, obviously, on this season. Um, we can talk about the likes of the University of UMass, University of Massachusetts, Northwestern, the Gauntlet of Iowa, Illinois, and Delaware. Okay, I left the pause there, kind of at the end, because that's the schedule that uh, Penn State comes into Ohio State with. So the five and zero record, maybe not as good as it typically would be at this point in the season. They've pretty well played nobody um so it makes it a little difficult to judge them they're coming into ohio state with a top rank top five ranked rushing and passing defense um again 
pretty much against totally inferior opponents. But again, on average, yards allowed per game, 193 yards. Uh, to break that down, 121 average passing yards a game, 72 average rushing yards a game. Even with the struggles that our rushing offense has had this this year, I think that we're going to break it. We'll see. Um, we'll see who's healthy also on Saturday. Uh, the running back room, Ryan Day pretty much said, uh, kind of shrugged his shoulders to the media this week on uh, who's going to be back there, which I don't hate. You know, it's college. You're, the coaches are pretty much allowed to say whatever they want as far as the injury report goes. Um, the, the big thing this week, and a lot of Penn State fans want to turn it into this, Drew Alar, Ohio kid from Medina, uh, going out to Penn State to try and save this thing, facing down Kyle McCord, Pennsylvania kid coming over here to Ohio State uh, to do all right, right? Um, here, my kind of take on this, and, and then, you know, folks, if maybe we'll go around the room and one thing you'd like to see Saturday, uh, but, you know, my take on this, a lot of people want to say, hey, this is a QB battle, best quarterback wins. No, I've seen this Ohio State uh, team play. Folks, I'm not going to be bashful about it. We got a good defense. Okay, we don't we don't have a shutout defense. We don't have like a, you know, absolute. It's it's the thing that's going to win you the game. But we got a defense that can make plays when they have to. We got a bend that don't break defense, which DCs don't like to hear. But, you know, we turn we get the ball, you know, back just a couple times from Penn State. The game's over. You know, if the turnover battle goes our way. I think we're going to be just fine. So my pushback on that kind of hot take argument this week that folks are like, we need Kyle to outduel LR. I don't think so. I think we need Kyle to take care of the football, get the ball in his playmaker's hands, i.e. Cade and Marvin, pretty much. And uh, we need the defense to make a couple plays, and I think we're going to be just fine on Saturday. Adam, just one thing you're looking for Saturday, we'll give it to you. I mean, I doubt we're going to see it, just by the way Ryan Day has talked about Dallin Hayden, but give me him getting a ton of the snaps. Guys, I loved how he looked against Purdue. Seemed like he had great eyes on seeing where the pocket was open, try to get to that next level. He's not the break off a 60 piece like uh, Trivion is um, against Notre Dame, but I love him for trying to get this game broken open. And then you bring in the, the other guys, but gosh, I love the game against Purdue. I'd love to just keep feeding him, but we'll, we'll see what day thinks. I don't want to hear anything else about a red shirt when a guy has a game like that, but I don't know what you guys think. Totally agree. Abe will go to you this time, but yeah, Adam Hayden couldn't have looked better Saturday. If we get if we get a taste of that, you know, running style, that vision on the field, it's going to mean a ton for this offense. Abe will go to you. Yeah, um, just uh, I'm looking for the continuation of our defensive line um, to get pressure on the QB. It seems like we live and die defensively on the pressure on the QB. That's the way High State's been playing the last. Well, since Larry Johnson's essentially been here, and even prior to that, you know, uh, long history of of great defense alignment, um, they seem to make an impact in these games, and especially at you know in the Penn State game where where Larry Johnson, his you know coaching against his former team, getting his guys hyped up. Uh, what a perfect game to build off of last week, and uh, just get in there and get things done. Absolutely, Stan. Over to you, buddy. Yeah, I, I'm sure people have seen the press conference of James Franklin talk about how his or reporters asking why his quarterback does not throw passes downfield. Uh, that's been a whole thing with their offense this year. If you watched Drew, Aller, Alar, however you say it, doesn't really 
and any of those games needed to throw the ball for long distances. So I think maybe that hurts them. Maybe that helps them that we haven't seen it on film. But but going off stats, they have one receiver that's over, I think, 300 yards this season. Um, so I think if we can really shut down their run game, Manny Diaz is saying he's got the blueprint on Ryan Day. I guess he's probably going to try to do the Michigan treatment and just run it down the middle until we give up. So if we can shut down their run, make Drew throw the ball, I think that's a, that's a, that's a successful strategy. I didn't check this stat coming out of Saturday from Purdue, but going into West Lafayette, Ohio State was the only team in the country to not give up an offensive play for over 20 yards uh, down the field. I, I think that that still stands. Um, but if you're looking at Penn State, right, a team that doesn't toss the ball, right, they're not taking those deep shots. James Franklin being abs- an absolute jerk. I don't know if anybody saw the clip this week of the reporter that said, you know, James, like, Alar is not really the guy that seems like he wants to take those shots down the field. Like, do you ever just encourage him? Hey, man, you know, take that shot, you know, give it up. And Franklin's like, I don't even know. Let me tr- do my James Franklin. I uh, I don't even know what you're talking about with that. I, you know, I uh, that's crazy talk. I, uh, you know, that's, you know, I. We, we, we breed excellence in this program. We're never going to, I'm never going to encourage a quarterback to, you know, just throw the ball down the field. Uh, that, you know, it sounds insane to me. Um, crazy. And everybody kind of understands the root of the question. If you're a team that passes the ball, but doesn't take shots down the field, how do you get your quarterback to be confident, right? in his receivers to be able to make those catches, right? Reporter didn't phrase it in the best way. I wouldn't ask it the way he did, but that's just an, and this is a common theme with James Franklin, not to go in on the pumpkin God, but you know, he, he's an insecure coach, I would say for the most part. And it's, it's a knock that we have had of Ryan day in the past. He's doing okay this year. He had that little blow up after the Notre Dame game. Um, but you know, I, J- James Franklin, I, I hope that we, you know, kind of toss him out like we have done the last handful of years. Um, but all, all that to say, Stan, I agree with you there on the the you know the long shots. I think a lot of that's going to matter on Denzel Burke. Hopefully, you know when we talk about injuries, I would say he's the guy. You know, if I need one of my guys on defense to be healthy, he takes away you know forty percent of the field with the way that he can play corner um, and the guys that he locks down. You know, back there. So he was a little dinged up coming out of Purdue. Hopefully, he plays on Saturday. They really like his backup. Matthews. He had a pick six earlier this season. You guys remember, um, I think against Western Kentucky and and kind of trash time, but, um, you know, Denzel Burke, we need him on the field. I think Saturday, uh, for this defense to really show what they got, but totally agree with everybody there. We'll get the score predictions, uh, here when we turn the page. Speaking of turning the page. (laughs) Well, all right, lads. I turn it over to Adam for Adam's gambling corner. No, Ryan, that's perfect, and it's a it's a, we got some really hot games on the on the uh, scorecard this weekend. Starting out, two terrible, awful, godforsaken teams up uh, north of Ohio, Michigan against Michigan State. Ryan, is this at Michigan State this year? Making sure I'm reading this right. Or, uh, keep yes. talking, and I'll get. I'm it. getting a. I'm getting a nod and a thumbs up from Stanley, which I believe confirms that uh, Michigan is traveling to Michigan State. And guys, I don't, I don't want to freak yes, anybody else. East Lansing. In East Lansing, this is my lightning play. 
I thought Michigan was the move at 24 and a half. No, something just struck me, guys. 24 and a half. I know this is a beatdown Michigan State team, but I am uh, I am going to be taking those points and uh, going sticking with the land grant school of that terrible state. Shout out Malik. Shout out Clay. Uh, that's where I'm at. We'll go around the room. Uh, starting. Go ahead, Ryan. Who you got? Yeah, I, I'll go next. I think Clay would say Adam. No, he's probably screaming like that scene of Matthew McConaughey. Um, you know, in the space. What what's the movie? He's in the space movie. Whatever it is. Uh, Interstellar. Ah, no. Interstellar. Thank you, Stanley. Um, he's saying no, don't do it. Even though he loves his Spartans, he knows that they are dog trash uh, this year. Uh, I hate to do it, but you know, lay those points down. I'll roll with the boys in blue. All right, Stan. What what do you think? I'm I'm gonna have to go with Michigan on the cover. I'm gonna. They have been a good parlay ad this year. Michigan's been pretty good against the spread. They've been um, great against the spread. I will give you that. They so, they have. Uh, it's a promises made, promises kept uh, at the University of Meat Chicken this season. They have a they have walked the walk as they have talked the talk. Abram, what about I, you? And, I well, just oh. real quick, I would say, and Stan, I think this is right where my head's at too. When Harbaugh is able to do this, he he pours it on. You know, there's not going to be like a calling the dogs off thing or anything yeah. on Saturday. And I think the yeah. one game Michigan didn't cover this year was Rutgers, and they were a half point off. So, I mean, that's – And as we know, that, Rutgers is is also like six and one against the spread. So, <laughs> yeah. th- those are just two <laughs> incredible against the spread teams going at, against each other. But, Abram, what do you think? Yeah, I'm actually uh, – I mean, in, in terms of actual betting on this game – I don't like the line just based off what we discussed. It could go either way. Uh, so I'm actually going to take the over, which is 46 and a half, because um, we discussed, okay, you're giving me the thumbs down, but you were the one giving me the explanation that, oh, you know, if, if Jim Harbaugh can do this, he's going to pour it on. So he's either going to pour it on and he's going to score 65 and beat the over by himself. Or if Michigan State actually does somehow turn on a light switch and get their game going, they're going to have to score a lot of points to beat Michigan. So each team is easily going to score above, you know, 24 points to get it over the over. So I I think the over is the play here. Abram, I love you grabbing Adam's gambling quarter by the ears and saying we're changing the rules. We're not just going out the point spread. We're going to be going overs. We're doing unders. We're doing parlays, halftime bet. I love it. I love it. it. money. What are you? <laughs> what are you? An idiot sandwich. Give me the money. <laughs> uh, moving on to our next game, we've got Tennessee. Ryan, is this at Alabama or at home? I I don't know. I this. think this is in Tennessee, but Adam keeps asking me the questions for his own gambling corner. And it's in Alabama. It's at Alabama. If, Alabama. Because if you think back to last year in yep. Nealon Stadium, that was, yep, that's a right. good right. point. And we, and we think back to last season with the field goal post going into the Tennessee River. Um, eight and a half point spread. This is obviously a flawed Alabama team. But if you've watched any of Tennessee this year, you know they also have some issues. Um, uh, just in the name of Grant Parsons, my dear cousin, I'm going to be rolling with the tide and laying the points eight and a half uh, on the road. What do you, Or at home, I'm sorry. Uh, we'll start with uh, Abram this time. What do you think? Yeah, I think um, I think Alabama's starting to you know figure it out and get their offense, which is why I'm going to take Tennessee plus eight and a half here. Uh, maybe even sprinkle money line because 
I just think I'm thinking about Sunday morning waking up. What am I going to be thinking about this game? I'm going to be thinking all the Tennessee fans clowning on Alabama that they beat them two years in a row in their house. Uh, if there's a year for Tennessee to win in Alabama, in Tuscaloosa, it's this year. So, you know, if if we're going, since I'm not allowed to go straight across the, you know, the line here, just give me eight and a half. Sure. Ryan, what do you think? Sprinkle, sprinkle, drip, drip. I'm right there with Abram. Wake up Sunday morning, the voodoo hexes of our cousin getting married on the Alabama-Tennessee game day. Give me the Vols! Go Vols! Walking down there in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> I, I do love those blue ticks. Stan, what do you think? I, I'm going to change it up like Abe did. I'm going to say um, I'm going to put all my money down on opening kickoff to be touchback. I think that's going to be a really good start. <laughs> It's right. <laughs> All right, let me just put that down. <laughs> no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna add in my opinion on the game too. I think, I, I, I think this Alabama team's getting stride. So, I'm, and and Joe, if you watch Joe Milton, former Michigan quarterback who couldn't make it, he's very Cardell isk, where he can throw the ball sixty yards, but not within five yards of the line of scrimmage. You throw the ball, so, mile. can't pitch a five. Can't yards. pitch a five yards. Remember the Titans, yep. love it. I was thinking the same thing. Alabama. All right, so stay at your riding Alabama. with the tide also. Love it. And, ki- and kickoff touchback. And kickoff. Let me mark that. Stay at kickoff touchback. Okay. Sprinkle, sprinkle, drip, drip. Drip, drip. All right. Um, that includes a fair catch with the new rules this Obviously. year. So. Hey, that's a t- touchback to touchback. Uh, so finally, and let, let me ask you guys this before we go into this final game. What is the difference between a Penn State Nittany Lions fan and mosquitoes. Mosquitoes are only annoying in the summer. So to take us into our final game, mm. let's see. Mm. We've got uh, P- Drip Drip. Penn State traveling to Columbus. They are a four-and-a-half-point dog. Guys, if you look back to the uh, the storied rivalry, Penn State loves to lose by just a little bit. And four-and-a-half is an interesting number. Um that being said, I'm not going to stop now. This is the Kyle McCord, Kate Stover show. I'll be taking the Buckeyes leg, those points, four and a half. Let's get it. Uh, let's see. Who have I not picked first yet? Stan, what do you got for this one? Well, you made me kind of second guess myself here. I, I could see the game going many of ways. I could see us being up by 10, garbage time touchdown with two seconds left to make it three. But I – I mean, four, four and a half, we're going to win by 14. So let's take the Buckeyes. So you're riding the, with the Buckeyes. Let's go. Let's go. All right, uh, Abe, how about you? Uh, Adam, um, I hate to do it to him, but, you know, I, I'm going to take Ohio State here. We're going to win by like $3 million. <laughs> uh, In all seriousness, uh Player props on our yet, but uh, go ahead and uh, just hammer down over on whatever Kate Stover's yards are, unless they're like a ridiculous like ninety. They're most likely going to be like thirty-eight or forty, um, and just go ahead and hammer that because it's a guarantee and it's free money. I love it, Ryan. Going to you. I'm, I'm right there with Abe. I, I think that Kate is a matchup nightmare if Egmeka is healthy. I think if you have one, two, Marv. Egbuka, you know, out there on the field and Cade is out there floating in space, especially with a team like Penn State that kind of prides themselves on that back end defense. Like that's what they're looking at. A guy like Cade's going to break out on Saturday. All that to say, lay them darn points down. 
I like the Buckeyes by 10 or more on Saturday. And I know this is a crazy thing to say. We're going to be crying next week if we're all wrong on this. But I, I, I said it at the beginning, folks. I don't think that this is like a generational defense, but this is a darn good defense that Jim Knowles has called so far this season. And sometimes if you just have guys on the field that have confidence and can make plays, that makes up for quite a bit. Uh, Even if the offense struggles, you know, some games, uh, yeah, lay the points down. I'm rolling with the Buckeyes. I'm typically in favor of stacking the box, except for when I'm gambling with my friends. Uh, That does make me nervous when we're all on one side of it. But those rare opportunities that we all get to celebrate. Uh, I think this is a good time for the trend to be broken on close Penn State games. This is a good year for it. So uh, that that concludes the gambling corner. That was a great one. And with that, right? Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. Thank you for the gambling corner, Adam. Guys, thanks for joining today. Folks at home, if you took the time to listen, please just take a second, hit copy link, and send it to your best pal that you like talking Ohio State football with. We're trying to grow the podcast. This is a year of growth for many of us. Uh, You know, the Silver Bullet Saga, we're here for you every week, getting you ready, tucking you in uh, before the next Ohio State football game. Uh, With that, for Adam, for Stanley, for Abram, for the folks at home, for the good folks listening across the world, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Silver Silver Bullet Saga. We're not an elite team. We're a good team. (laughs) I went to Ben Sting. Go, Dandy Lions. (laughs) I'm (laughs) going to run it. It was a bad play ball.